Hello and welcome to Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing late on Tuesday evening. Might even be Wednesday morning. I don't know. Joining us from New York City, where he attended the Pelicans' victory over the New York Knickerbockers on Tuesday night. Pelicans coming off the schneid a little bit after a winning streak and beating the battered Knicks is Tim Bontemps. Fellas, I got a, got a big dose of James Williams Monday night here in New York, the Garden, at the uh, Pistons-Knicks game, and then got a whole other dose of James Williams in the the pod bowl between the Cavs and uh, Mavs tonight. Well, joining us from Dallas, Texas, where I'll bet there's some disappointed Mavs fans, angry Mavs fans. I'm not sure what, but that's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Those Mavericks fans are always disappointed and angry in me, at least. But, uh, hell, Max Struess broke some hearts. Gucci Mane drew some wrath. Tell you what, <laughs> James Williams, a.k.a. Gucci Mane, guarantee you this, he doesn't measure up to six feet. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Here we go. Right off the right off the top. <laughs> oh my God. Well, all right. Well, so tonight, Tuesday night, the Cavs and the Mavs played one of the better games of the NBA season, probably top for one percent. The Cavs were down by 10 points. I guess the Mavs ahead by 10 points. I mm-hmm. tend to talk things from the Cavs angle. Sorry. The Mavs are ahead by 10 points with what about three minutes left? That's why they're giving you a bobblehead in Akron, baby. <laughs> That's right. Well, not everybody in the Cavs organization was happy with me today. Some of the stuff I was talking about, but we'll talk about that in a second. But um, anyway, 10-point game with what, like three, four minutes left, McMahon? Yeah, Yeah, 10-point game with just under four minutes left. Max Struess hits his first of five threes in the last 342. That's followed up immediately by Tim Hardaway passing the ball to Kyrie Irving. The problem was Hardaway was inbounding the ball and Kyrie was coming in down the ball, so it ended up being a turnover. Uh, literally, Struce three, that turnover, Struce three six seconds later, and then it just got it got wild oh, man. down the stretch in that last minute. Classic crazy NBA game. Um, Max Struce made what? What are we saying? A 55, 60-footer? They called it a – it's officially 59 a 59-footer. And according to ESPN Stats and Info – that is the second longest game-winning buzzer beater of the three-point era. Wow. You might recall Devontae Graham hit that 61-foot bank shot mm-hmm. uh, in Oklahoma City. He was still on the Pelicans. That's the only one that's been longer. Well, speaking of banks, the Cavs, I believe, made their last seven three-pointers in this game. Struess made five of them. Donovan Mitchell banked in a three-pointer oh, boy. in the final minute. There was a... Mildly controversial non-call where I don't know. Was it Hardaway in the corner who kind of got mugged? No, that was Josh Green right after Hardaway was pulled. Hardaway was pulled right after Max Struess hit his fourth three in a span of like, I don't know, 80 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was Draw your own exactly, conclusions there. They were attacking the Hardaway-Luca uh, duo. Exactly. Yeah. Se- uh, 67 seconds. Four threes in go. 67 seconds. That's pretty and, good. And Struz had not cooled off uh, about two minutes of game time later. It was like, you know, the NBA jam. He's on fire and you could shoot it from oh, half man. court. He was still in that mode with the game on the line. Well, like, when he let it go, <laughs> it looked good the whole time. Well, 59 just... footer, nothing but net is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there was a, a non-call on a three-point shot in the corner on Josh Green that Luca did not agree with. I will say this. It looked like a mugging. Luca got back. It was definitely a call where Luca could have lost his mind. He got back. He he had commentary for the officials, but he got back. 
He got back and he did not get his second tee of the game, which would have been his 14th tee of the season. I'll be curious to see if this one holds up. It was not a sub six footer. It was uh, Carl. Uh, help me out with the name. They had Carl this, Lane. Who's Carl like Lane? Six, 77 eight. on 77 crime. Teed him up. Oh, yeah. But so Luca got back on that. But then it comes down to, like you said, the last. There was 23.8 seconds left, and I'm sitting there going, are the Mavericks going to foul? Are the Mavericks going to foul? Yeah, so the so the Mavericks are down by three. They, no, elect, that... they elect to go for a two-pointer. Right. And uh, Kyrie went a nice basket. And by the way, let me just say as a quick aside, I thought Kyrie and Luka looked awesome in this game. Dude. The Mavericks, I think, had four or five turnovers as a team. Luka was awesome. Luka and Kyrie both with Big time shot making in the fourth quarter of this game down the stretch. I know they had a bad loss to the Pacers that snapped their winning streak the other night, McMahon. But I'm yeah. watching this game going, damn, the Mavericks look great. I mean, I that duo, like, that duo had 75 points on 53 shots, and they did commit four of the five turnovers, but only, you know, when you get 75 points, 17 assists, and four turnovers out of a duo, man. Whew. And honestly, like, it's not like some shocking thing that they scored 75 points. They're good. They're good for I know, man. Like, th- this 60, is one of those situations. 70 on a nightly basis. We'll go over this last sequence for a minute, but I was extremely impressed with the Mavericks in the way this game, they played this game. They just didn't close, which obviously you have to do. Mm-hmm. Very impressive showing by the Mavericks in a loss. I mean, I this game like soon is going to be beating the uh, the 96 the Bulls the I, way we're going. Well, <laughs> I, know. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were going to tease me about the, uh, the, 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 the most competitive sweep. Well, yes. Um, that, that hey, Max Strew saying I'm the 96 Bulls, so I like the Mavs odds. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the, the Mavs are down by three. There's 30 seconds left after Donovan Mitchell banks in a three. Um, I was explained to my six-year-old, we were watching the game, and I was explaining to him the concept of the two-for-one. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he quite grasped it. But so Kyrie scores and just doesn't beat. There's under 24 seconds, so the Mavs have to yeah. foul. And as you said, McMahon, they didn't immediately foul. They tried to trap. And next thing you know, we've got a potential loose ball foul. It's either a loose ball foul or a travel. It, or had, a jump it, ball. it, was, it was one or the other. And, and Gucci James Bain Williams. And Gru- yeah, Gucci Mane and crew went with none of the above. It's like, no, James, dude, that what it's multiple choice, and that's not on the list. Right. James Williams, who was the lead official the night before, Monday night in Madison Square Garden, where Dante DiVincenzo tackled Asar Thompson. With a true Pistons. form tackle. Would have looked good at the Combine in Indianapolis this week. And James Williams, who is the crew chief, Bontemps, James Williams is standing two feet from the play. Where's the there New York an, media now? That's there was an incredible picture in my old uh, my old publication, the New York Post, that had James Williams literally staring with the whistle in his mouth so bad. at Asar Thompson laying on the ground next to Don T. Vincenzo. It Still was not my favorite James Williams picture. moment. That had to be when he took the Jazz Bears four-wheeler for a spin around the court while the jazz were down like 73 points between quarters last year. Drawing that former podcast of ours wasn't too thrilled about that moment. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, just not. real quick, James Williams, who is regarded as a good official, he is a lead. He is a crew chief. I, I, I had, to, I almost thought that that moment last year was like planned, but 
It was at the end of the season. <laughs> Nobody right? informed the Jazz of it. Yeah, well, the Jazz were getting blown out, and and he got on the little quad mini ATV that um, yes. and drove it, it around was the court. One of the stranger, one of the stranger things I've seen. What the call Absolutely. last night is one of the stranger no calls I've seen, and I I just watched this uh, this play with 9.2 seconds a couple of times and Darius Garland got thrown to the ground and there either needed to be a foul or a trap. No, I'm just saying like he yeah. went to the ground with it the was... ball. There didn't need to be a foul or a trap. Yeah. Now yeah, I will he, say he, about he, that. He came, he on, came off on, the ground and landed on the ground again and it was no call of anything. I just want to clarify one thing. Like you said, it was a mini ATV because the big rigs, he can't reach Here the gas go. pedals on. <laughs> I am telling you, you are... <laughs> One of these days, one of these days, someone's going to bite my kneecaps. <laughs> anyway, go on. Everyone, everyone is just getting a glimpse through this referee bit that McMahon is doing of just what it's like to just be around McMahon on a daily basis. It's just, it's just always like this all the time. Now everybody knows. But you know what though, uh, James Williams and and crew got bailed out because it's like, was it a foul? Was it a uh, was it a walk? It was neither. Okay. And, you know, the Mavericks are all upset, whatever. And then the Cavs botched the inbounds play. Yeah, they turned it over. And Evan it Mobley. gets knocked off of Darius Garland. Not a great bounds. pass from Evan Mobley. And no. then was I, I think Mobley then deflected the inbounds pass to Luca. Yes. So now there's nine the seconds favor. left. The Mavericks called timeout. Everybody's out of timeouts now. There's nine seconds left. The Mavericks are now down by one. The Mavs are inbounding the ball to Luca. J.B. Bickerstaff puts in a big lineup, takes mm-hmm. out both Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. That's going to be important in a second. Ooh. Donovan Mitchell on the on the sidelines as the ball is being inbounded, doing the sign of the cross. Which I thought was a funny shot that they caught. Well, J.B. Right Bickerstaff w- agrees with McMahon. He doesn't want anybody out there less than 6'5". And so <laughs> Evan Mobley deflects the inbounds pass, but Luca tracks it down. So Evan Mobley makes a really good play doesn't result in the turnover but almost wins the Cavs the game yeah Coral goes for the steal Luca tracks it down next thing you know he's he's bolting into the lane Luca is going into the lane and you're thinking this guy's going to score and the Cavs collapse on Luca and Luca as cool as a cucumber not even an issue dumps it off to PJ Washington who's open under the wide open under the basket and Jared Makes a Allen, nice finish in traffic Jared yeah. Allen makes a brilliant recovery from coming out to help on Luca to go back. And I think he puts his hand on the ball. Oh, Mavs fan said that he put his hand on the arm. Oh, well, maybe he did. Oh, I'm just, well, either yeah. way, it was a we'll heck of a, the last it was a heck of a finish by PJ Washington. All of a sudden yeah. it looked like he had a dunk and then it was like, he had to finish. Great finish. And, so, and it was the finishing touches on it's Slovenian night in right. Cleveland. And here yeah. Luca is on his last night as a 24 year old. 45 points, nine rebounds, 14 assists, a few steals, just a total masterpiece performance. It the was finishing touches, the game winning assist. Oh, but it was not the game winning. So assist. there's two point something seconds left. 2.1. 2. 2. 2. Oh, Two point. The Cavs have no timeouts and they have no guard on the court. I guess they had Karis Levert. He was on the court, but they did oh, not Max, have Garland. Max has played a lot of shooting guard. He likes to shoot. He's on the court. He was, he was doing so it awfully well down the stretch. They ran the uh they ran the only thing that they could. Now I will say this. JB didn't have one of his ball handling scores on the court, but he did have a play called. Yeah. So I'll give him that. JB Bickerstaff had a play called, which was 
a hook and ladder. Um, Struess inbounded it to uh, Evan Mobley, and Evan Mobley just lateraled it back to him. Struess immediately chased the ball after he inbounded it. It was reminiscent of the play that Boise State ran against Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> what was it? I d- yeah, I don't. I don't think about? that's what you meant. They threw it. They, they threw it over the middle. Didn't you mean the Val? Didn't you mean the Val? Were, they, the Bryce Drew shot. That was what it was. Well, the, on the of. on the Valparaiso shot, they threw it three quarters of the way down the court. This was like in midfield. Well, they, I, mean, I guess. And Matt and, and uh, ran the hook and ran the hook and ladder. And uh, Struess uh, Struess threw it in from fifty nine feet, breaking the the Mavericks' hearts. There was a couple of unbelievable the 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 ball goes in the basket right in front of the Mavericks bench and as the the camera zooms in as you see the ball go through the basket it's perfectly framed with some of the Mavericks players absolute like swish of 59 feet too didn't even graze the rim and uh and I think it was Markeith Morris who had like the incredible one where you see like it looks this pain on his face as it goes through the net but um so Obviously, crazy sequence in the game. Last two-minute report is going to be a mess. The the folks in the league office who deal with the last two-minute reports and the referee evaluations are having a very rough time right now. <laughs> this is going to be a, another rough last two-minute report. But so that game, you know, for the Cavs who've been struggling, they'd lost three of their last five. We'll talk about that in a second. And every one of these games from now till the rest of the season with in the West is like, Huge, huge consequences. The Mavericks go from fifth to eighth from in, yep. in, by losing. So yeah, that could um, end up being a hugely consequential well, they, they went from, loss. They went, yeah, they went fifth to eighth on Sunday, and then they just fell a little bit further back uh, in eighth tonight. Oh, right, that's right. They you lost. Know, on they Sunday. are half game back of the Kings, full game back of the uh, Suns, who they do have the tiebreaker on, and now a game and a half behind the Pelicans, yep. who are sitting there in fifth. And yeah, look, the Mavericks. Just had a seven-game winning streak. This obviously was a crazy game. Luca and Kyrie are efficiently just lighting it up. Um, honestly, I'm not going to really worry too much about other guys' offensive numbers if Luca and Kyrie are putting up 75. Uh, PJ Washington did make some plays there down the stretch. The defense is not. It's not had not been a good trip for the that revamped Dallas defense. And it's interesting they consistently are closing with Maxi Kleba at center which again, isn't necessarily shocking if you go back and and look at the team that went on the West Finals run. But when the best personnel move that you've made since the Luka draft was drafting Derek Lively II, and then you gave up a future pick swap to a team that's going to be really good then to get Daniel Gafford. Well, you traded first for him, right? Yeah, but they ran, they right? traded a pick swap to Oklahoma City. Oh, that's right. To get the first. Right. That's right. Right, 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 right. Right. And so, you know, Daniel Gafford tonight played seven minutes. That's it's expensive insurance if if that's what ultimately he ends up being. PJ Washington, his offensive numbers haven't been great. He has fit very well. He does make them longer, more athletic, a little bit more dynamic because he can put it on the floor. And 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 we'll see. We'll see how the the defense isn't as good as it was during a seven-game win streak when it was at like a league best level. Uh, they better hope it's not as bad as it's been these last couple of games. Obviously, you know the Pacers make a lot of defenses look bad, and then the Cavs just, <laughs> like you said, Wendy, they hit their last seven threes. Well, and yeah, by so, the way, just real yeah. quick on the schedule, 
we're you know we're talking more Dallas is at tough back to back in Toronto Wednesday night against a rested Raptors team that's just won three in a row just pounded got, Indiana and, on Monday. And I assume had a big pizza party tonight. Yeah, Darko yeah. Darko Ryakovich had said he was going to buy the team. Uh, dinner if they won three in a row, which they finally did for the first time by beating Indiana Monday. Then do you think in- that NBA players appreciate getting free food? Yes. Do you think that's a, uh, they pretty much live in a world where they live, they swim in free gear and free I'm food. I'm sure they were happy to make yes. their coach pay for food. Free food I, is I always good. They then, the, Dallas then is in Boston Friday, not exactly an easy game. Hold on. Turn around and play at you- home. Sunday afternoon against Philly. Philly's obviously been scuffling. Then they have Indiana and Miami. That's a pretty tough week. You know, listen, you're, you're, you're leaving out a key event. You've got this back to back against Toronto. Yeah. Then Luca's birthday party. He turns 25 while they're in Toronto, which is a city where good times have been had by NBA players in the past. That is, that is true. It's, it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. So, You've got the back-to-back birthday party, a day of recovery, and then uh, Luca the, on the road without the his meeting. newborn baby to cause no diapers, no crying, midnight feeding. You know, after after Luca's twenty-first um, birthday party, he sat out the next game with a uh, a sprained left thumb that I don't believe ever appeared on the injury report again. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Dallas has Detroit, Chicago, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Denver. So this is going to be a pretty big ten games for them to see how. They well, every this. every like we just, yeah every stretch of games. The rest of the West. I, but yes, I, I saying, understand that. It's just a it's a particularly difficult ten games, and you know let's see where they're at in a couple of weeks when it's over. So McMahon, I I watched Dallas play uh, the Suns last Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched them play the majority of the game on Tuesday night. Kyrie and Dude, Kyrie thanks. and Luca, if they, I mean, like, look, this thirty and. 45. Okay. That's not going to happen. Maybe every night it happens. Not, it's not like a, a total outlier. This it's not is like a shocking uh, development. Yeah. I, I like, I walk away from this game kind of feeling better about where Dallas is. And I do where Cleveland is to be honest with you. Look, they're going to be a, as long as those two are healthy, they're going to be a damn good offensive team. That might be the best offensive duo in the league. If not, it's, it's very high uh, yep. on that list. I mean, Luca is leading the league in scoring efficiently and this was his 12th 40 point game uh, of the season you know almost as many as Tex. <laughs> we have right. more 40 point games or more more Tex by the end Tex. of the season now, th- pe- people might think i'm being sarcastic here but i'm not dante exum might play in toronto he's been out for a while if, if he doesn't play in toronto he's he's on the verge of coming back now obviously there might be some rusted chip off or whatever I'm telling you, Dante Exum could be a key, key factor. And he was before he went out. He had earned he, – he moved in the starting lineup when Kyrie was out for a while. He was going to stay in there and, and be bumped to the three. Then he ends up getting hurt. Dante Exum is their best 3 and D guy. He's their best combination of on-ball defense and the ability to hit spot up threes with a little bit of playmaking. Um, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be. I don't think Jason Kidd knows exactly what his role is going to be. They're kind of figuring out how all these pieces fit together. But, you know, I, I think Dante Exum could be a major X factor for this team going down the stretch of the season and, you know, perhaps in the playoffs. 
All right. Now the Cavs. The Cavs had won nine games in a row right before the All-Star break. They split their last two games in an unimpressive fashion. Lost their first two games out of the break in unimpressive fashion. Donovan Mitchell missed those first two games with an illness. But they have been sliding a little bit recently. And he came back and they won in very unimpressive fashion in Washington on Sunday with Donovan. Where did he pick up that illness? Cabo? I believe... I don't think he was in Cabo, but I don't know. I think he was. On he the wasn't in Cabo. I think he was on the West Coast. He wasn't in Cabo. Anyway, the thing with the Cavs is they've got this conundrum about they're putting their five best players on the court and it actually leading to their best basketball. We talked about this earlier about how they really thrived about with spreading the floor and only playing with one big man, one true big man, uh, while Mobley Evan Mobley was out for six weeks and replacing Darius Garland, who's having the worst three-point shooting season of his career with guys who shot three-pointers very, very effectively. The Cavs' offense went from like 25th to like third in that stretch. Hmm. And so they've been dealing with the elephant in the room, which is that when they put all their guys out there, they're not that good. Uh, I shouldn't say they're not that good because I'll get fiery anger. They're not as good as they were before. And so... The fit fit is clunky. Tonight... Evan Mobley. Yeah, and look, Evan- just here's the here's the numbers. Their their net ratings plus one point seven with uh with their starting five on the floor, which is so it's not bad, but it's not well awesome. It's, and it's not, not awesome. as good as they are when when they split the bigs. They were they were plus nine, I think, while those guys were out. Now tonight, Evan Mobley, he didn't play poorly. He had twelve points, nine rebounds, seven assists, and I want to. Be extraordinarily clear before I say this, that this is not a commentary on Evan Mobley, the player. It is a commentary commentary on Evan Mobley, the power forward. (laughs) The fit. He's a non-shooting tonight. tonight. He's a non-shooting center who plays power forward a lot. Okay. Tonight, Evan Mobley had a negative plus minus. He has been back for 13 games, okay, from his knee injury. The Cavs have won. 10 of those games. They are 10 and three with him in the lineup since he came back. Of those 13 games, he has had a negative plus minus in eight of them and zero. He had a zero plus minus in one. He's had a positive plus minus in four of 13 games. Now, I'm not saying that tonight it's in and of itself was indicative of, you know, because he, it's not a commentary on his play in this particular game, but he has not had a positive plus minus, I believe, in six games. Well, what was a commentary on his performance today and on the Cavs' performance today was in the closing minutes of the game, Max Struess was matched up with P.J. Washington, a power forward who couldn't really guard him because the Cavs went very small. And for the final basically seven minutes of the game, they had Karis LeVert, Max Struess, and the two guards out there with Jared Allen. And Evan Mobley was on the bench until about 26 seconds left. And when Max Struess got going in that stretch late in the game, it was because they couldn't really the, – the Dallas had two bigs out there and couldn't really yeah. keep up. And the floor being spaced, having Max hey. be able to take advantage of that matchup was a significant are you count, part Are you counting Washington as a big? He's he's not a wing. Yes, he is. He's a wing. Okay. He's not – a. first of all, he's not a wing. Second of all, he can't guard Max Struess, which well, is Well, he wasn't. Point. 
Luca was guarding Max Struess, and then Hardaway, and neither one of those guys did either. Wow. They they were scrambling and trying to keep starts up with the game at four. power forward, and he started the game, and so did Evan Mobley. I mean, whatever you want to power say, power forward. Unless you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, power forward is a wing position in today's NBA. Well, then this I would is the point. I would say PJ Washington is a four slash five, not a not smaller. But no. this is In not Dallas, worth the he's argument. A four, he's a four slash three. Well, yes, the All Mavericks right, have fine. 17 centers on their team. The point is the, the the Cavs had four guards out there with a center to space the floor. Yeah. And and Dallas was scrambling to try to guard them. Okay. So here's the other thing. And I will take incoming because I go on Cleveland radio and say some Ooh. of these same things. I'm and I right. take and I take incoming on this. Evan Mobley was on a minute restriction for three weeks when he came back from the knee surgery and rightly so. And so JB Bickerstaff kind of managed the, the minute restriction by making sure he ran out of minutes midway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> and you know, no one, no one ever said anything about it, but it was kind of like, well, Evan's out. He's hit his he kept magically minutes. coming out with seven minutes to go in the game. And Jared Allen would finish the game. Like I think today. that's called a happy coincidence. So yes, Evan Mobley's exactly what it is. Evan Mobley's minute restriction has ended ended after the All Star break, and he's still playing the exact same amount of minutes. Now, when I said the, I, I, the way I said this on radio today in Cleveland was that we know that JB Bickerstaff knows there's a problem because he's not increasing Evan Mobley's minutes, and I was told even though his minute restriction was lifted, that they are still being very cautious on his minutes because they played three games in four nights. Okay, tonight he played 28 minutes. So, and it's and it's not just him. There's also some, some issues with Garland because when Donovan Mitchell plays, he's basically been the point guard for most of the season. He's averaging the most assists in his career. So when Donovan's playing point guard, Garland has to kind of be a floor spacer because they were playing, you know, Sam Merrill, who was like practically leading the NBA in three-point shooting as getting a lot of the minutes. And Garland is not a floor spacer. Yeah, he's, he's a point guard. He's a ball they, they got They got two guys yeah. trying to do the same thing at the guard spot, and they got two guys trying to do the same thing at the big spot. That's the problem. They There's just right. a lot of overlap. They're all good I'm, players. I'm going to take it's... the heat is going to be on for me talking about this after this huge Cavs win. Well, I hope some um, aggregators really add to it. So anyway. Look, for everybody in Cleveland who wants the team to be a championship-level team, like this is the this is the thing that has to get solved if the Cavs want to be in the conference finals or in the finals or competing for a title. Like they have to figure out how to make this whole mix work with these four guys. This is the existential question there. And you again, the key part of the game, Evan Mobley was watching on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty yeah. significant thing. And it was as we're moving and, forward. And that and that and that alignment helped them win the game. Yeah. Again, not because Evan Mobley stinks. But because it doesn't fit. This is 2024. Right. Okay. Just, Listen, so, the Cavs would be one of the favorites in 1998 for sure. And they still are a good team. 2008. Yeah, they still are a good team. But it's just that style of play is very difficult in today's NBA. So it, Cavs, it's, Mobley, it's tough to have two non-shooters on the floor regardless in today's NBA. And Evan Mobley, like we've talked about a bunch, is a talented player who has not really progressed as an offensive player. And the lack of an outside shot is causing a lot of problems. And you look at what Scotty Barnes and Chad Holmgren have done, two guys who are in the same age range as him. Those guys are legitimate threats from three. And it's changed the way teams have to guard them. And Evan hasn't yet. Doesn't mean he can't. And but he I hasn't also yet. say that because I'm big bag national media, most of the Cavs starters were in negative plus minus tonight. 
including Included for Max a lot Bruce. of the game for a lot of the game Mitchell and Allen had worse plus minuses than but uh, the reason is because their starting lineup doesn't function well right. as a group hey, okay what was the, now what was the minivans plus minus the bench destroyed the the Mavericks bench tonight we're all about the destroyed. minivan on this pod I'll just say this so the Cavs have had a during this stretch where they've been very very good I think there's something like uh 20 and four in their last 24 something like that had a very favorable schedule. Uh, I'll just point out that out of those 20 wins, four of them came against the Wizards. Okay. And they play the Bulls, who just lost to the Pistons. Hey, what's wrong with the Wizards? Kyle Kuzma (laughs) thought they were in better shape than the Mavericks. (laughs) Yeah, the Wizards are actually the worst team in the NBA right now. It's, you know, they're they're tied. Yeah, they're tied with, with Detroit, but Detroit is playing a lot better. So the Cavs play the Bulls on... Wednesday, the day this pod comes out, and then they play the Pistons on Friday. And then their schedule takes a major, major turn. Sunday, they play the Knicks. Now, I don't know who is going to be able to be available for that game for the Knicks. The Knicks are battling through, but that's a whenever they play the Knicks, it's a big, it's a big challenge because of what happened in the playoffs last year. Tuesday, I think Bontemps is going to Cleveland because the Celtics are coming to Cleveland. So they play the we'll, Knicks and we'll the Celtics. See. I may be there. I may be there. Don't, Maybe don't I won't be there after this pod. Maybe I'll have to hide. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't didn't he like most wanted in Cleveland? I might be up there after some of the things I said about the the proud. Yes, the you proud were so Evan mean. You were so mean about the Cavs. So Rubber mean. ducks ain't giving Bontemps a bobblehead. I know that. No, nobody gives me a bobblehead. So Knicks, Celtics. Then they the week after that they play three of the better Western Conference teams all in a row. Or I guess they play the Nets in there, but Timberwolves, Suns, Pelicans. So. Hey, the Nets just had a one-game winning streak. <laughs> Quickly ended. The, the Nets have uh, two big games. <laughs> Convincingly. The Nets have two big games with the Hawks this week to fight for the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference. Oh, stop. Big games. Big, big games for the play-in. Last well, play-in if the Hawks, if the Hawks big, win big those two games. for the Rockets lottery odds. Listen, if the Hawks if the Hawks win those two games, the you know it, especially with Trey Young now being out, I mean, they'll be up six in the loss column with like 22 games to go. The thing will be over for sure at that point. But they lose them both, then it's two, and they got a shot. I'm just saying, you know, the Cavs are, you know, three and three in the last six games, and they have some real tough games in the next 10 days. So maybe they get it ironed out. Like, you know, Darius Garland is a former all-star. I mean, the guy has the ability to put up enormous numbers. They were the number seven offense last year playing with this starting lineup minus Max Struess. It's not like it's impossible for it to happen. Mobley's three-point shooting has been improving. It doesn't really matter because they don't guard him. What you need is for them to be guarded out there. That opens the lane for Donovan Mitchell to go to work. It also, yeah, to same, be fair, had, it cool, also, though. to be clear, hasn't really been improving. He had one game where he hit, I think, three threes. And no, he had a stretch there. He did. He had a stretch. He had two games where he hit shots, and he basically like has five or shots. six games. Okay. He's defending because he's tall on temps. Yes, I know. It's all, it's all about the heightism here on the pod. So, uh, this was an interesting moment in, in, in addition to a fascinating game, an interesting moment for both these teams because I'm not sure where the Cavs are going to go. Uh, and I'm pretty interested in where the Mavericks go after that. Well, All I'll right. tell you what, the Cavs got a little, uh, little bucks kind of zooming up behind them. Yeah. Um, I was saying last week that I really thought that the bucks, I mean, it wasn't really a hot take. I don't think, but I thought that the bucks were primed to, I thought they were, they were showing some signs that they were going to improve. And they've had a couple of good wins since the All-Star break, including winning. Actually, right before the All-Star break, they won in Minnesota, which was a really good win. Uh, no, right before oh, the All-Star was, break, they 
farted oh, that's all right. over the place. Right after they, the All-Star break. They opened the Minnesota. All-Star break beating Minnesota, and then that's they beat right. a very injured Philly team and a bad Charlotte team. But they oh, did beat you. the and bad they, Charlotte team by a thousand points. How Before dare you? Charlotte had been red hot. Early, they did beat Denver too, so they've they've had some nice wins lately. Yeah. Charlotte and look, they beat they beat the Sizzling Charlotte Hornets. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat the Hornets these days, and they did it by about seventy two points. Caught the Hornets at the end of that road trip. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, it's been a tough week for NBA officials. Been a tough season for NBA officials. Bontemps, you were there in the garden on on Monday night with the Knicks situation. They had a sort of interesting karmic turn because two weeks ago in Houston, you remember Jalen Brunson gets called for the foul at the end of the game on uh, Jalen Green, was it? No, Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday. Holiday. Yeah. Regardless, it was a it was a a whoops pool report. Just like this one was a whoops pool report. Yeah, no, at least in that instance, you could have said, if you were the officials, yeah, we messed this call up, but you also had the ability to challenge it had you not messed your challenge up earlier, which the Knicks did. But they still right, messed but it up. The, the key is, no is call, that right? in the, is, it, it had been very rare for the officials to admit a mistake in the pool report, you know, which is the interview that they give right after the game. Usually they, you know, it's, you know, they sort of give their name, rank, and serial number. And say that the foul or whatever was called because, but you know, and it they is usually unusual. only admit it if it's an egregious miss. And we've had two egregious misses in that have directly impacted games in two weeks. Like I said, it wasn't a great showing tonight either. The other thing that we've been seeing this year is we've been seeing l- the loss of composure from referees, just ejecting guys like out of nowhere. It, it's not been the greatest season for officiating. And you guys know that I am usually a staunch defender of officials. Too small. Too it's small. been, it's been tough. It's Enough been tough. with the too small. Enough. It's been tough on temps and um, it's not something that's easily fixed. And it's not something that, you know, you can do about it. You just got to be better as a long story short. Yeah. I mean, look, we are, we're dealing with the human element here, right? And you're going to have mistakes at times. And that is just part of the game in general. People are going to miss shots. People are going to miss calls. The call, the, the whole thing on Monday was brutal. I mean, it was a crazy sequence. I, you know, we as a group put together the questions for the pool reporter, Brian Mahoney from the Associated Press did it with James Williams, who was the crew chief. And you could have 
I thought there could have been a foul call on the play when Josh Hart knocked it away from Simone Fontecchio. They argued that there wasn't one. I did, I'm not sure Josh Hart got fouled on the shot he made over Jalen Duran. They said that that was also a correct call. But James Williams, like I said, the post had one of the best shots ever of him literally just staring at this car crash in front of him and just <laughs> watching it. My favorite part, if you go back and watch it, Jalen Brunson picks up the ball and looks like a kid who got some candy he wasn't supposed to. And he kind of <laughs> yeah. like looked around and was like, oh, all right, we're good. And then went and ended up passing to Josh Hart to win the game. And it's like, it's like in Halloween where you're, you're checking, hey, do they have a, a, yes. a, a ring cam? Because they're, boy, these are like full-size yes. candy these bars. And there's a big bunch ass, of them just Big, big out full here. candy bars that we got in our hands. But listen. Can I just uh, make, call a quick timeout? That wasn't a story from McMahon's childhood. We didn't have ring cams when we were kids. <laughs> That's a story from the last decade. Hey, one which thing means I can that do. McMahon is not only trick-or-treating, but you know, stealing I don't From I just kids. I can relate to the immature little brats. That's all. Well, listen, we know okay. McMahon is a heightist, so he's probably taking the candy from the kids because they're too short, saying, Hey, these kids can't have this candy. Yeah, I just let the kids do the candy and then I just rob them. <laughs> I let them do the that trick sounds, or treating, and I'm just that, coming in as a as a bully on those little fellas. All right. That sounds about right. So there there's also some added backstory on this Pistons thing. So Saturday Pistons. night, Pistons are playing Orlando. The last two minute report claims Paolo Bancaro did not travel on what was a game-winning shot. Paolo hits a nice shot over Jalen Duran. He pretty clearly looked like he traveled to me. He hopped. He, he did a, yes. yeah. a full-on hop in the middle was, of his... It, the last two-minute sure, report didn't say that was a travel. I didn't know. They, they, okay. they claimed it was a correct no-call, which, okay, fine. They they lean towards saying they're right if it's a 50-50-ish call. I thought he traveled pretty clearly. The Pistons were angry about that. Monday's game, which was at the Garden, was originally supposed to be in Detroit. However, when the Knicks were in the in-season tournament, <laughs> now we need to back way up. As the in-season tournament was playing out, the NBA made this big show of saying, well, listen, some teams are going to get an extra home game and some teams are going to get an extra road game. And that's just how it's going to be. And that's how it, that's just, you'll just have to deal with it. Right. And that's so, like how, like. Uh, Indiana and Milwaukee end up playing five times. It just right. it just happens. Just yeah. how it just how it went. Well, the Knicks, because the Knicks lost on the road in the first in the quarterfinals to the Bucks, there was some scheduling issue at the Garden. I, I can't remember what it was, but they had to play the Celtics on the road in the other game, the other makeup game. So because of that, they were down a road game or they were down a home game for the year. So the NBA just out of nowhere a couple weeks <laughs> later just sends out this email and says this Pistons game has been rescheduled, is being played at the Garden now, which is very clearly the NBA saying, this team stinks. Right. We're going to just take a home game from them, and we'll give it to the Knicks because the Knicks right. are in the playoffs. And we'll have a full house there. Right. Probably not so much in Detroit. Right. Yeah. The, Although, the under listen, if I know some of those New York media members, they weren't happy. They got screwed out of airline miles, Marriott points, and apparently like the best uh, – media pregame meal in the league. The Knicks writers were not upset to not have to fly to Detroit. I can tell you that. However, the, this email comes out of nowhere a couple weeks after the tournament's over, just says, announces, Knicks get an extra home game. And yes, the Pistons get the gate. I'm sure they get, I'm sure that's why the Pistons agreed because they're sure they make more money off a Knicks game. Bottom line is, they have this call go against them on Saturday. They're down a home game that they should be playing anyway at home. And then this call happens after the game. A game where they outplayed the Knicks for large stretch of it. Quentin Grimes, who had been traded away, had a great fourth oh. quarter. 
He was he made what he thought was the winning basket. Quentin Grimes, who wanted to be out of New York, makes his driving layup that's going to be a fantastic shot. Evan Fournier hit a ton of shots in the fourth quarter. Those two guys basically brought the Pistons back, had the game, seemed like they had it won, and then it gets yanked out from underneath them at the last second on this call. And again, I will give James Williams some credit for admitting he got it wrong as the crew chief when he was staring at it. And yeah, he could have let it just show up in the last two minute report. I mean, admitting you had it wrong. That's like when Wendy voted Joker as MVP after lobbying the whole time for Embiid. (laughs) Like it's at some point the, the, the I was saying that Embiid shouldn't have been disqualified because he had a sprained ankle. My my point is, if you're wrong, 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 and then admit it at the end, you don't get credit. I'm just saying, I give, I'm giving a slight modicum of, of give back on that, as opposed to claiming, for example, that Asar Thompson didn't have control of the ball, and therefore it wasn't a foul, which is like, oh, sure, that could have been attempted to be done. That would have been insane. Even so, if he didn't have control of the ball, are you allowed to form tackle a guy well, who that's, doesn't yes. have the ball? That was literally loose, what someone it's said It's a loose ball and, foul at worst, yes, right? It, it is, <laughs> right. It's obviously a loose ball foul. But look. The, the bottom line is the NBA has been dealing for years now with a talent drain from its veteran officials for a variety of reasons, injury, COVID, retirement, et cetera. And as a result, we've seen pretty hefty lop the top of the talent pool lopped off in the past several years. And ironically, these calls have been being messed Twitter. up. What's that? They lost an official of Twitter. Oh, well, yes. Eric Lewis. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Who was another, one of the best officials in the well, league, uh, by the an way. An excellent official. Right. They've lost, you know, Ken Maurer was is part of this COVID lawsuit. He was one of the best officials in the league. He's left. Monty McCutcheon's out running the officials. He left refing. Duke Callahan and Danny Crawford retired. There's been a bunch of them. Yeah. So these guys have all left. They have to replace them. The irony is these mistakes that have been made in recent games have been made by guys who've been doing it for a while. That's James correct. James certainly been doing it for a while. Jason Goebel obviously is famous for missing the call against the Lakers last year, which then Jason cost Goble the Lakers to get every the call guy for the next who, six months. Jason but. Goble was the guy who made the call on Brunson in Houston and also the guy who made the call or non-call in Boston non-call last on LeBron. year when LeBron went to the basket where yes. Pat Bev got the, the camera. But the but point is, this is... Who, he wasn't the one who Pat Bev showed the camera, though. I forgot which... which that was Eric Lewis. That was Eric Lewis. Yes, that was Eric Lewis. Yes. So that's a long-winded way of saying... As we get closer to the playoffs, this is going to be a topic that continues to come up and it's going to be something to monitor because as the pressure on these games ramps up, the players it ramps up and for the officials it ramps up. And as we know, like we saw today, like that was a that was a pretty intense game, that Cavs-Mavs game, and it got pretty funky at the end. It was just like, what the hell is going on? Yes. And that was what happened in the final 30 seconds of the game at the garden, which the Pistons are not a good team, but that was an intense game. Pistons are desperately trying to get some wins or playing better lately. Had a great win tonight on the second night of a back-to-back in Chicago. You but, want to know why it was a great win? Because it was their ninth win, which I know we're still in February, but I they had lost you. 28 in a row at one point. Well, There's and, no- and I, look, and they deserve credit because, I mean, look, they added a couple guys like Grimes is back. He's a good player. He's playing well, but like they have been playing a lot better recently. Kate Cunningham has been awesome. They, like I said, they played a great game against Orlando. They played, they outplayed the Knicks on Monday. Knicks have been a mess for a while with all these injuries. They got to get healthy, but they deserve to win the game Monday. That was a really impressive win to come back and win. Nine wins um, is the fewest wins in a full NBA season. The the Bobcats, the Charlotte Bobcats had less than that in a lockout shortened season. I think they had six, but seven. Trust me, they were seven. 
Okay. Seven and fifty-nine. <laughs> well, the but the 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 record that is recognized is the seventy-two, seventy-three Philly 76ers who went nine and seventy-three. So the Pistons have now gotten out of that zone. I'll give them one more win between now. I don't know if I'm giving the Wizards one more win. The Wizards also have nine wins, but we will not see a new record at least for that, considering they set the no. record for twenty-eight consecutive losses. Uh, I'm not saying they were breaking open any champagne after this one but uh i'm Listen. sure that getting that ninth win sure they felt i'm sure they felt good bouncing back and winning today after yesterday they're gonna they if, if washington doesn't want another game the rest of the year they've got to change their nickname to the lizards because you can't have a w at the beginning if you only have nine of them all year <laughs> we can get like you know iguanas geckos whatever uh... for the mascot more hoop collective podcast after this for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. All right. Bontemps, you had a story that came out with Kevin Pelton on Tuesday about the offensive explosion in the NBA this year and what the NBA is think what the NBA thinks about it. And this is something that routinely when I run into people out in the world, ran to a couple of gentlemen in Las Vegas over the weekend where I was. A couple of gentlemen. Yeah, what are these like shady gambler types or what I mean, what what's going on here? That's for me to know. Uh, you know, who recognized me and like, you know, this is why I often hear this from people who are not really NBA fans. They'll they'll complain about They'll complain about traveling, and I and I have a I have a, a an answer for traveling, and I always say this to um to people from Europe, the Europeans that I deal with when I do the cover team USA, and I'm you know dealing with all kinds of Europeans who talk about how the NBA game is you know crap compared to the pure game that they play in Europe, which is they do play a pure game in Europe. I say yeah, I agree that it's a more fundamentally sound game that you play in Europe and next to nobody watches it they like when people maybe get an extra half step and throw down a dunk or whatever and they want people to watch the game i understand you don't want that in game seven of the nba finals but let's just keep our eye on the ball the other thing i hear about recently is there's no defense play in the in the nba you know uh, i mean they've been saying that for years but now they're like you know every game's 146 to 142 well that is kind of an interesting in more game, more fair criticism. And Bontemps, you talked to Joe Dumars and some other people in the league about it, you and Kevin Pelton. And what did you learn? Well, the, I think the most 
immediate thing I learned was that the NBA's competition committee is officially studying whether to make any changes to the rules to potentially give defenses more of a fair shake, which was sort of the news peg of the story. Um, that is actually potentially going to be on the table, I would assume, this summer once they spend a few months looking at it. But look, I mean, it's a combination of a few things. We just talked earlier about the Cavs and Evan Mobley, right? And 20 years ago, Evan Mobley not shooting threes wouldn't have been a problem at all because as Mike Brown, right. the coach of the Cavs 20 years, years ago, ago, well, Mike Brown was coaching the Cavs and two started 2005, as you know. And he, when I talked to him for the story, he was like, look, when I started coaching, there was maybe a guy on each team and probably not even that you really worried about shooting the ball from three. Now you're worried about every guy basically on every team shooting the <laughs> ball from three. Now, when, is, when when centers come into the league, on the scouting report, it's noted as a flaw if they can't shoot the three. Right. 20 years ago, Dirk was revolutionizing the game because he was a power forward who could shoot the three. That's shoot right. the three, he, shoot, he was shooting 20-footers. He wasn't even shooting the three. Shooting I mean, he shot, obviously yes. he did shoot threes, but he was, you know, right. the, the classic the, the, Dirk shot was from the nail. But the term, like, stretch four was a thing because it was unique. Right. Now, if you're not a stretch four, you're called a bench warmer. Right. Chris Bosch, when Chris Bosch started shooting threes with the with the heat to space the floor for LeBron and Dwayne Wade, it was this mind-blowing revolutionary thing. You know, now that, you've got now you've got stretch rim protectors. Like Chet Holmgren has right. 150 blocks and 100, 100 threes. Right. And we've got plenty of season left to play. So and we've talked about that from the beginning. That's why that's why that's been such a big deal, right? Having him space the floor at center gives Shea Gillis Alexander all these avenues to cut into the lane, all this extra space for him and Jalen Williams, these guys to operate. Like that's that we spent so much of the year talking about why that's been crucial to their success. And speaking of Mike Brown, like occasionally, if you ever want to watch, or you can just go onto YouTube and look at it. Mike Brown was the coach for LeBron when he had that famous game in Detroit in 2007 where he scored 29 of 30 points. 48 special. <clears throat> I am sorry to say this. It's almost unwatchable. Not, not not the LeBron plays, but like if you watch the game, it's an awful dude, when awful you watch game. When you watch old basketball, even like the Showtime Lakers who were like this ridiculously entertaining team, their half court is hard to watch. Guys one are, guy dribbling the ball with one guy guarding him and four guys standing around near the paint. Got, yeah, guys are spotting up at 16 feet. It's it's insane to watch now. You're just like, dude, back up. It's, and yeah, so, it's another sport. Like, okay, studies the thing. Here's the deal, though. I don't want to go back to mud wrestling basketball. Well, nobody's, I, but nobody's, but also, to hold on, just to cut you off for a second. Nobody is arguing Nobody is arguing that we're going to go back to the to 2004 when it was 65 to 60 in conference finals games between the Pacers and the Pistons. Okay, I don't want I don't want just to be able to, for a big guy just to plant his butt uh, in the middle of the lane and and just be able to clog things up. You know, I don't want hand checking. I'm sorry. I like it is fun to watch the most skilled era ever in the NBA. I don't think scoring, like, I don't think a lot of scoring is a problem. And well, there are still good defensive games. There are still, I promise you, in the playoffs, we're going to see some 102 to 100 type of games. There are going to be great basketball games. 
But the simple fact of the matter is the number one reason that scoring is through the roof is because the players are more skilled than ever. And because you're having to guard guys 30 feet from the hoop where that would have like that wasn't even a figment of anybody's imagination 15 years ago. Well, yes, that is 100 percent true. And to be clear, again, just for people who haven't read the story yet or are not going to read the story, the NBA makes any changes to the rules. The goal is not for anybody involved, from people who think like Drew Holiday, who I'll get to in a second, who thinks that you should be able to play more defense, to Joe Dumars or anybody else. Literally everybody said, we're not going back to 20 years ago. I think the question is, has the game, like then it was horrible to watch. They Mm -hmm. institute a bunch of rule changes to make more offense come into the game. More offense came into the game. Teams got smarter. Teams now are much more judicious in where they get their shots from. Daryl Morey deserves a lot of credit for that, for the way he and James Harden really, and Mike D'Antoni helped revolutionize the way teams really look at the court and study where to get shots from and get the most efficient shots in the most efficient way. Eric Spolstra too. Yeah, Eric Spolstra, all these guys, Steve Kerr with the Warrior, all these guys. Like All these coaches have done a great job of finding ways to manipulate defenses and create more space more shooting everywhere on the court. Like Tim said, now instead of like 10 years ago, Ryan Anderson was a revolutionary guy as a stretch four. Kevin Love was a revolutionary guy as a stretch four. Now it's Chet Holmgren 10 years later as a stretch five. Nicole Jokic is a stretch five. Joel Embiid is, a, a, you know, whether you want to call him a stretch five or not, a guy who can easily hit open threes. Like those are the guys that are really bending defenses. Carl Towns, obviously. We can't forget him. I don't even know Tim's moniker for him, but... Um, big spamo self yeah they, self-proclaimed greatest shooting big man of all time yeah, they, baby there you go i set you up for it but i do think that so it's not like if over there is zero and now we're at 100 i think the goal would be to get it to like 85 or 90 and move it back a little bit the other way and i think where the interesting thing you said there is referring to the playoffs and when i asked a bunch of people about this not surprisingly drew holiday one of the most physical defenders in the league, one of the best defenders in the league. When I said to him, hey, you think that there's a balance between offense and defense? He immediately said no and started (laughs) laughing. And I said, I thought you might say that. And we talked about it for a while. And then I said, hey, if you could change something, what would you change? And he, he immediately said, without thinking, call every game like a playoff game. Because that's when the games are the best. And... That's when people watch the most, and that's when the competition's the best. Now, to me, the inference there is, and I mean, he just said it to me after we talked about it for a while. As we all know, in the playoffs, you're able to be more physical as a defender and get away with it than in the regular season. Hey, that's season. what James Williams was doing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, James Williams revving it like a playoff baby. game. <laughs> but I do think, like, for example, Jason Tatum and Giannis Tenekupo are big physical guys who are obviously very skilled, right? Both of those guys like to get in the lane and use their off arm to shove off the defender and create space and then score. They almost never get called for a foul on that. But I if mean, the Luke defender, is a master of that too. Luca's 250-ish right. pounds and James Harden, a, just a bull. Yep, James Harden, another guy, right? A those bull, guys are all- Ballet feet, but a bull. Right. So those guys are all able to use their bodies to cre- and arms to create space and be physical and get room to score. But if a defender does the same thing to those guys, they're almost always going to get called for a foul. And so I think if anything changes 
from my conversations with Joe Dumars to talking to Drew to talking to all these other people. I think like we've seen the NBA take away some of James Harden's various tricks over the years and the rip through Mm -hmm. move and stuff like that. I think all that really might change here is just maybe letting defenders be a little more physical, maybe preventing some of these offensive players from having quite the same ability to create these advantages just to try to balance the, the playing field out a little bit. So it's not so shifted towards the offense, but we're not going to be in a world where it's going to be 95 to 90, even again. I mean, the games are going to be 125, 120 almost, no matter what is done, because there's so many threes shot. And to your point, McMahon, there's so many skilled players now, like Mike Brown said it perfectly. It's like, you can't, there's really not a way to put the cat in the back in the bag with this stuff. A lot of it's just the way the game is now. Yeah, and and it was good that they got rid of some of the ridiculous free throw hunting. You know, the 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 non basketball played free throw hunting because nobody wants to see that. But people want to see the great skill. People want to see, you know, the the wide open floor and these guys create and you know the, the these guys who can shoot it from you know twenty five, twenty eight, thirty feet, fifty nine. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. right. Be able to do that, honestly. I've got something I want the competition committee to change, and it it would benefit offenses. Ooh. But like when there's a lob, the act of shooting starts when the guy leaves the floor, not when he catches the ball. The act of shooting, if you're catching an alley-oop, starts when you leave the floor. If a guy is fouled in the air while going to catch a lob, that's a shooting foul. I do like that. I do like that that rule change. I do think that's a good idea. Because what it's one of the most exciting plays in the in in the game, and like it should also not a dangerous be a good, play if you end up yeah. undercutting a guy too. Right, it should not be a good strategy to be able to just hack guy before he catches the ball, knowing that it's going to be instead of a instead of two points, it's going to be a ball out of bounds. Like again, that's a that's a rule that would benefit offenses, but it would benefit the viewing experience of of watching the NBA game. Well, so more points, damn it. When you when they say that they're studying it, it's code. The competition committee is studying it. It's code for they're going to make changes. Um, on this one, on this one, I can't have a bad boy. We can't have Joe Dumars in charge of this crap because they were. I mean, come on, dude. That was hideous basketball. I, I Champions, but hideous basketball. I don't. Uh, well, the what's Magic doing? Were... He ain't busy. Let's get Magic involved here. <laughs> the O four. Let him tweet through it. <laughs> the 04 Pistons are pretty close to the uh, the 89-90 Pistons, too. Um, but look, I don't, like I said, I'm not 100% sure they're going to change anything. But I do, like, and like I said, I do ultimately think if it is anything changed, it's more of a discussion with the referees to allow a little bit more physicality. Not a lot, not like tackling guys again, but allowing a little bit more of that so these perimeter players have some sort of a chance at guarding these elite offensive players because otherwise like again these guys are so good and so skilled and especially now with Tatum and Luka and like Jan I mean these guys are also huge that if they have the ability to use their bodies and size in ways that the defenders can't there's there's just almost no way to guard and they should guys. outlaw uh Giannis's spin move it would bring scoring down <laughs> instantaneously <laughs> everybody knows he's going to do it and it works eight times a game. It's wild. Pretty good. It's, I think it's just because he's such a freight train. What are you going to do? You <laughs> take that charge. 
I know you're loading up and thinking, my God, please help me. And then all of a sudden he does the loop de loop. And Giannis goes in that spin move. I'm like the Brooklyn Nets. I ain't taking that charge. <laughs> but that is the, you make a good point, McMahon, about watching the old games. Cause I, I even got asked to, I did a radio, ESPN radio hit earlier. And somebody, one of the hosts was like, oh, so these guys are just not playing defense now, right? Isn't that the deal? And I brought oh, that up. You- like, if you don't think NBA teams are really playing defense, watch, watch a quarter of an NBA game today, any two teams, and then go watch the Showtime Lakers and the Celtics play in the finals in the 80s. And it, it, the guys on most of the guys on the court aren't moving 80% of the time. Well, and just the spacing, the, the, how much more ground do you have to cover? Some of these guys spot up at 26, 27 feet and are legit threats there. As opposed to 16 feet, where like you can cover your man and help and not have to move very far. Yes. We're also just not moving. It'd be one guy dribbling, one guy guarding them, and eight guys watching most of the time. Come to an NBA game when they open the gates. You you know, come really early and watch the guys who aren't even playing go through their pregame warm-ups. Yeah. And them shoot like 80% on their three-pointers that they're practicing. Much less what you see in actual when the starting guys come out there and warm up. Well, and um, and the ball handling ability, like we talk about the shooting and the spacing. Yeah. But dude, like, again, the power forward position to me, just look at how much the power forward position has changed. To now, like, you've got these guys that are shooters, that can put it on the floor, that can pass. I mean, the, the skill of the of the average NBA player, much, le- much less a superstar, the skill of these guys has just improved so much over the last even 10 or 15 years. Go back and go on YouTube and watch some of that. Not just the LeBron baskets, watch to 2007, not 1997, not 2004, 2007. And that's LeBron. Like that's LeBron. Not even in like, you know, he was in his, he was in a max contract by then. This wasn't his rookie year. And tell me if that's that was, his, that was the last year of his rookie deal, right? What's the last year's rookie deal? Right. Well, I'll say is I because it was the first time he'd ever pulled something like that off in the playoffs. It's on the Pantheon wall for his performances by LeBron's standards. It's not anywhere near one of his most impressive playoff performances because he hadn't done it before and he had to prove it. You know that's there, but when it actually comes to the feats on the court, no. And that just sells, you know, LeBron bridges all the eras, you know, and, and that, and, you know, to just to watch how he plays different now, forget about the rest of the game. So something tells me no matter what the uh, rule changes is, LeBron will be fine with it. He'll figure out a way to handle it. All right. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon. Thank you for listening to us and we'll talk to you soon. Adios amigos.